Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyer up 904. Jacksonville. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. here on a Wednesday. It's great to have you with us. My name is Rick Ballou. This is Into the Night. Kind of a weird drive-in for me. Uh, this past hour or so, I've taken the same where we come from or where I come from. We call it a route, not a route. You know, Christian Kirk runs sharp, crisp, disciplined routes. For the most part, he catches the football, except for the 55-yarder uh, that he dropped this past Saturday night. But when you're going from point A to point B, we like to call it a route. You know, you take Route 2 straight in to Logan Airport in Boston, Massachusetts. Um, I've taken the same route to work here for 16 years. Barrel down Phillips out of Bartram. Hang a huge right on south side. You get to that second set of lights right by the Avenues Mall, which, by the way, how is that still up and running? How are malls still in business? Aren't they kind of like newspapers? I mean, I just I can't remember the last time I was in a mall. Uh, outside of doing a remote at PW3, it's probably been six, seven years. I, I think the last time I did that was when my girls were still young. And I would take them in there. But you get that second set of lights where if someone sneezes, it'll just sit there and blink and blink and blink. It's that one set of light. You know what I'm talking about on Southside? But anyway, it occurred to me today because I love my hometown, all right? I, I left Boston when I was 18. I started in the rear view. I'm all about Duval. My final days are going to be right here. But I've been noticing it lately, and I'm kind of like, what's up? What has happened to our streets? Everywhere I look... They're filthy. There's trash everywhere. I mean, look around. I'm not talking about the hoods, okay? I'm not talking about where you live or where I live. I'm talking about the normal route that I take to work every single day. Racetrack Road, Phillips Highway, Southside Boulevard. My God, it's as if people are just driving by in their vehicle, throwing their trash right to the side of the street. Anyway, if you can help me out on that, and let's, you know what, if, if, don't waste my time by blaming politicians and blaming laws. Uh, somehow, somewhere, people are littering. And, and I always thought that when people got arrested for, like, misdemeanors, isn't that like their probation? Isn't that like their community service? Send them out onto the streets and have them pick up the trash. I know I got arrested in Tallahassee 30 years ago. 33, 34 years ago, I was managing, I punched some kid in a bar. He deserved it. Okay, so I had to go pick up trash. Kept Tallahassee beautiful. 
to all of the arrested people, can we get them on the streets and get them to start picking up some trash? Give me your thoughts on that on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosure, 641-1010. Again, if you're going to play the political game or any of this, I'm not interested. I know there were trash concerns inside neighborhoods. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the normal streets, the major arteries and veins that run through our great city. I've never seen it like this. I've always said that Jacksonville is beautiful, but in, in like 210, there's a ton of construction. You know, so I don't know, maybe the construction workers throw their crap into the dirt and the wind takes it out of the dirt and blows it. I, I don't know. I, I don't know the answer uh, to the question, but I, I can't believe it's that hard to solve. Y- you know what I'm saying? I mean, trying to figure out downtown and trying to get everything built, that's one thing. Uh, lifting the Main Street Bridge because one boat comes by when you have traffic coming into a football game, that's a that's something that is out of control. This should be something that you can handle quite simply. Sounds a little bit like this. Hey, Joey, the next time, uh, yeah, take them out to Southside. Get your 40 prisoners on Southside and get them picking up trash. And, and hey, Joey, get them on Phillips Highway, too, uh, around the Bayard section, and, and let's work north towards the city. Yeah, let's get them on 210. The knuckleheads there put up those girders, and then like a year later, they decide to whip them down, move them over a couple hundred yards because they want to add an extra, put them up again. Real simple, right? People are moving here. Every single day. People want to live here. You're going to start hearing that Duval is the armpit of the South because people can't handle their litter. We've always known that the general public, the, the normal human being, is going to treat public property about as bad as you possibly can. Whether you're the elite and you're on a great golf course, you got the knuckleheads in front of you that won't replace their ball marks. You know, you walk up to the green, you're like, this is an exclusive club. I mean, this costs serious money to play here. What, why am I looking at all these divot marks? Because well, people don't care. They played the hole. They move along. Look at public restrooms. Seriously. Just look at, look at parking lots after games. Any place you go, people destroy. Look at public bathrooms for crying out. Is there, is there a worse example or a better example than public restaurants? Now, you're not going to do that if you go into someone's home. I walk Michaelers. Hell, the water hasn't worked at Michaelers Beach in like four months. I go in there. I use the lavatory. I want to wash my water. doesn't even work. I mean, it's been four months, at least four months. And, and look at that restroom there. Imagine if you have an emergency with a kid. I'm just, I just don't understand why people can't get it and love thy neighbor and clean up in and around you. Okay, it's almost as if been there, done that, who cares what it looks like for the next person. You sound like Ed up. Reed. Yeah, I'm not mental like Ed Reed. I'm just annoyed because uh, I love this place. And I just can't figure it out. Am I wrong? Am I wrong about the trash? Are you tell me that, that, that I just 
notice this today? And- I I live like I used to live for most of the time I lived here, ninety percent on like Beach Boulevard and St. John's Bluff. So it's always been trashy there. So uh, I, it depends on where you're at, but just in general as a city, from someone who just vacationed in Boston and New York, we're doing all right. I think Boston's an incredibly clean city. It is, but there's still a lot of... New York's a cesspool. It's disgraceful. Do you want Jacksonville to be a cesspool (laughs) like New York and New Jersey? That's my point. We have an advantage here. If we keep letting them come down. Let's keep things beautiful. I just mentioned one of the nice beaches, Michaelers. It's... I mean, this. I actually found a Joe Burrow rookie card. I told you that a few weeks ago. I was bathroom? walking. Oh. It was graded as like a nine and a half. I'm a like, well, there's trash everywhere. I'm walking. I'm like, what's this? It's a rookie Joe Burrow. You know, graded, put in the plastic, and I'm like, this is this is phenomenal. So, all right, enough bitching. But I just, you know. Every generation tries to make things better for the generation that follows. Look how soft we are with our sons and daughters. It's why they quit jobs every two weeks. It's why they transfer schools if you're not a starter. You know, it's why we're, we're so quick to rejoice. I mean, around here, it's kind of like Jacksonville won the Super Bowl, right? There's more of the Jags. There's so much to be proud of right now as opposed to literally looking at your boy or your girl next to you and saying, damn it, they blew a real opportunity to go to an AFC championship game. No, it's, it's, it's today's way. It's, it's soft. It's, let's make it better. So if we do that to make it so much better, why are we treating our area as bad as we are? I don't have an answer for you there. All right, I'll get off my soapbox now. I told you one of these days I'm going to end up running for politics. Okay? And I, I, I know all I have to do is say, listen, I, we're going to have to work really hard. Clean up okay? our streets. Yeah. Literally clean, clean up the street. I don't know Beach and Atlantic in that area. I don't, I'm not around there much. But I tell you, Southside Boulevard's always been a very clean boulevard. Lately, it's like. I, mean, I, I remember when I came here in 96, I pulled in the Lane Avenue. I was like crying out loud. I, I thought it was like back around the Revolutionary War. There was like livestock. There was like bales of hay blowing down the street, you know, deep into the west side, hookers greeting me. It's like I was like, this is where I'm going to work. And they're like, yeah, yeah, this is where you work, but we're going to put you in the highfalutin part of Jacksonville. You need to get an apartment out in Bay Meadows. And I'm like, okay. Bay Meadows and Southside, it's rocking. Hey, that's where I live right now. In 1996. <laughs> I'm like, you got it. I got myself a part on an apartment. Bro, it was beautiful then. It was absolutely gorgeous. I mean, it was there was no Tinseltown. There was no town set. I mean, it was it was you had a CJ's. What was that? Uh was it CJ's or yeah, it was CJ's where they would chuck the oysters for you right there on oh, the bar. Yeah. They were kind of like a seafood knockdown Hooters. CJ's Crab House. Ah, I don't know if it was a crab house. Oh, maybe this is a new one. I think it was an oyster. I think it was an oyster bar right there on Bay Meadows. I did not yesterday get an opportunity to talk about Trent Bulky because when the show began, Scott Rowland was just announced as this year's recipient 
of Major League Baseball's Hall of Fame. As a self-imposed baseball historian, I had a tremendous amount of thoughts on that last night. And we got really deep into it. After that, we began talking about Divas at wide receiver with Christian Kirk and his response uh, Twitter-wise to uh, a member of the media here and Stefan Diggs and the way that, you know, he showed his ass uh, on the sideline. and Bubba. So we, we didn't, before you knew it, we were like, we were so deep into it. Like, let's just say bulky uh, for tonight. Let's say bulky for Wednesday night. So here we are, okay? Tonight's show... We feast upon Trent Bulky, who, and, and, and this is going to be very interesting because everyone out there listening, if you're honest, your opinion has changed on Trent Bulky. You've gone from one side to the other, back to one side to another. It's just happened. I, for one, be the first to raise my hand and tell you I would have fired his ass after Detroit. I had had it. I was sick of it. Something happened. They turn around and won a ton of games. Now, all of a sudden, you look at Trent Bulky and you say, hmm, maybe the guy knows what he's talking about. You know, the free agents he signed a year ago were miserable defensively. Two to three really played well this year. And Sean Jenkins, second half of the year, Roy Robertson-Harris. Shaq Griffin, he's he gone. You know, you're going to recoup more than $13 million there. I thought that this year's free agency class – was really good outside of, you know, Big Foley. He did not play well inside. I thought the others ended up really doing some good things. But we learned a lot yesterday by listening to Trent Bulky and what he had to say about this football team. And I, I thought the most fascinating part of it was cash means more than the cap. There are... So many of us out there who have tried forever to clearly figure out how the salary cap works. And that is what is going to be so wonderful about this offseason. This football team is relevant once again. The expectations have completely changed where it's now all about winning the AFC South. And anything short of Aaron Rodgers ending up in either Indianapolis or Tennessee it almost feels like that's going to be an automatic, whether you agree or disagree. Doesn't that, to me, that's, that's the way that this thing feels. You're not losing a lot off this team. There's only 12 unrestricted free agents. I think there's three that really need to be identified uh, immediately with Engram and Taylor and then defensively with Arden Key. And then the rest of the way, well, you find ways to restructure contracts, create more money. For instance, final year of deals for guys like Roy Robertson, Harris, and Sean Jenkins. Do you let them play it out? Do you repay these guys? Shad Khan's got plenty of money, and that's not the case for all these owners. Shad Khan, liquid. He's got cash right now that he can give to Trent Bulky and say, use it, spend it, signing bonus. Let's get some upfront money so we can free more money to sign players. So all of a sudden, you can get to a scenario like, let's say Josh Allen, and he may be the best one, although Juwan Taylor is probably close. 
And what I mean by that is everyone has an opinion on Josh Allen. Everyone has an opinion on Juwan Taylor. If I was to throw out Evan Ingram, my guess is more than 90% of you, without even thinking, say, get it done, re-sign him, right? When you get to Josh Allen, it's around 50-50. When you get to Juwan Taylor, it's about 50-50. So when you look at Josh Allen, you picked up the fifth-year option. You can say, play him this year, $10.3 million. See what he can do. If he plays well, you slap a franchise tag on him or you sign him to a long-term contract. The other side is this. Even though he hasn't earned, in some people's minds, a huge contract extension, does it benefit the team more to give him a huge deal, to give him? guaranteed money, including a ridiculous amount as a signing bonus so you can free up more money so you can give that to Juwan Taylor or you can give that to Arden Key or if there's one position out there that needs to be identified in free agency because this is not going to be like it was the last couple of years where this organization is, is overspending to get guys. They don't have that money this year. That's not going to happen. And obviously, you know, next year at this time, it's going to be all about what? It's going to all be about re-signing Trevor Lawrence. So the sooner you get the Trevor Lawrence done deal, I mean, we're going to see it next month. We're going to see it in March. Wait till you start to hear about the money that Joe Burrow is going to make a year and Justin Herbert is going to make a year. That's more than $50 million a season. What's going to happen here with Lamar Jackson. So, you know, you could do the same thing. You could make Trevor play out all four years. You could pick up his fifth-year option with a franchise tag. You could – or the fifth-year option that is a team-only first-round um, maneuver. And then franchise tag him in year six. That's all good. That's all in play. But then if you redo a deal then, if you're going to pay Burrow and Herbert $50 million this year, what's it going to cost – Next year, to get Lawrence, is it going to cost $55, $57 million? Well, if you let him ride out that rookie contract and you're paying him what? I'll even have well, – let me see. I'll look it up right now. Trevor Lawrence this year has a cap figure for the 2023 season, which is ahead of us. Okay, I'm not talking about anything that we wrapped up. As you know, the league year officially begins on March – The Jaguars will have to be under this year's salary cap number by March 15th, which is supposed to be somewhere in the neighborhood of about $220 to $225 million, up from $208 million this year. And, you know, right now, if you listen to people, you'll be told they're $18 million above the cap. Okay, that that is going to change because – Officially, once we get to March 15th, there's only going to be 41 players officially under contract for the Jaguars. And you could do, you know, like the most obvious move of all is to cut Shaq Griffin. So that's going to free up more than $13 million. Catch my drift, and and we'll go through that on on a week-to-week basis. But if you look at Trevor this year, it's $10.34 million. Let me see Trevor's amount next year before we consider paying him 55 to $57 million a year. 
Uh, Trevor Lawrence in 2024 is scheduled to make $11,707 million. So if you're year to year and you're, you're nibbling here and you're trying to put together pieces and, and trying to do it that way, yeah, all right, it makes more sense to keep Trevor Lawrence under the rookie contracts. But not to be redundant, if you want to get this man signed to a long-term deal, it's going to end up being less expensive to do it sooner than later, even though you pay out that much more immediately. It's confusing. I think there are ways that, that teams cheat it. Uh, L.A., certainly the leader in the clubhouse, Las Vegas, Every year, it feels like they are up against the cap. There's no way they can afford uh, this particular roster. And then somehow, they, they crunch numbers. They give money away to star players. They add years. And they find themselves able to roll. Uh, it's still a confusing process, as far as I am concerned. But it's one now that is right there in front of this football team. And... You know, it's good to know that finally around here, keeping your own becomes important. When's the last time there's been conversations about keeping your own? Well, Cam Robinson, but that was kind of split down the middle. Outside of that, it was what? A.J. Can, Dewan Smoot, Tyler Shatley, Trey Herndon. I mean, seriously. The, the big contracts, the big, they did, they redid Miles Jack. That was a big deal. But we know what happened with Jalen. We know what happened with Unique. We know what happened with Dante Fowler. We, we know what happened with those type of football players. All of a sudden, now you look at this roster and it's like, hmm, what are they going to do with Juwan Taylor? Hmm, what are they going to do on the defensive side? You know, when do you approach Tyson Campbell? I get it. This is only year two. When do you approach him? Look at that draft class. I mean, seriously, look at the draft class of Trevor, Travis, Tyson. Then you see what Walker Little does late. Andre Sisco. How are you going to be able to afford all those points? Believe it or not, this is a pleasant problem. And it's a problem that I can't ever honestly remember this this organization ever having outside of maybe when Jay, when I asked Jay when about the money a few years ago and he said there's always money my guy when he knew he wasn't going to get his with two years remaining that's best case scenario look at all the first rounders and, and players that the Pittsburgh Steelers over the years have have not been able to afford that the New England Patriots have not been able to afford that that great Seattle Seahawks defense unable to afford, uh, worrying about keeping your own and being able to sign your own is one of the greatest definitions to a winning franchise. Free agency, a little bit like the transfer portal, which we're now witnessing in college football. Free agency fills immediate needs. Your draft is going to be the issue in the really barometer that, that moves you throughout this league and you know quarterback can maybe be the exception because we've had a couple of winners the last year who were imported right Matt Stafford Tom Brady Tom Brady in Tampa so that's maybe the exception of the rule but look at all these other quarterbacks that are going for it right what do they have in common drafted 
drafted by their team, including Brock Purdy. What? Jalen Hurts. Uh, who am I missing here? Obviously, Patrick Mahomes and um, Joe Burrow. All drafted by their franchise. And they're all young quarterbacks. All right, opening comments tonight and every night brought to you by Shmunez Vision. All right, Shmunez Vision down at the beach. Uh, let me tell you that it, it's it's really interesting what the good folks at, at Shmunez Vision are doing as well when it when it comes to your eyesight, because I got a real good buddy, Dr. Michael Shinatri. He's my chiropractic. He's a 35-year-old dude. And he heard this commercial, and he said, I went and I was tested, and I was a candidate for laser eye surgery, and he had it done now three weeks ago. The man is 35. At that age, he said, I've had it. I'm tired of sleeping in my contacts. I'm tired of looking for my glasses. I'm tired of fooling around, looking for my readers. And, and you know what it's like, especially later at night when your eyes do get strained. It's not the same, okay? Your eyes do dim down. They power down as we move on throughout the afternoon and into the night. So you may be a candidate for laser eye surgery. Dr. Catherine Schmunez, fellowship trained in cornea, cataract surgery, our refractive surgery, combined with Dr. Neil Schmunez, you're talking about more than 30 years of experience when it comes to laser eye surgery. It's pretty simple right now. At Schmunez Vision, all right, stamp out all blindness and always tell the truth. That's their slogan. Kind of like it. Matter of fact, I like it a great deal. Give them a call. Set up an appointment today, 299-2906. Or go to schmunezvision.com. Care you can see. All right, overshot this runway just a tad bit. But that's okay. I'm very emotional, and I got a lot to say on this Wednesday. It's going to be a very intriguing off season. Has a chance to be spectacular. When we come back, a little bit on Trent Bulky, a little bit on this coaching staff, as well, a little bit from you. 641-1010 on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosure. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, little Canadian rock. I believe this is about singing about the Statue of Liberty. Wait, Grand Funk Railroad is a no, 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 no. That's uh, not American Band. I have to look that one up to guess whose song that is about the Statue of Liberty. It's on the tip of my tongue. I was thinking about Grand Funk Railroad, or I was thinking about Bachman Turner Overdrive. I kind of get the threesome. When I think threesomes, (laughs) I think guess who. Absolutely. I think Bachman, uh, Bachman Turner Overdrive, and I think uh, Grand Funk Railroad. And by the way, one of the Bachman brothers died. Yeah, like last week. Like a week. Ago. Yeah. Uh, just passed um, uh, the drummer. I think it was about you know ten days, two weeks or so. By the way, um, Calico Jacks is CJ's. What you were looking for? Apparently, everyone in Jacksonville texted that in to let us know. You know what I notice around here? Jaguars win a game. I come back in here and I get after it. Text line is receptive. I bring up CJ's or the Bombay Bicycle Club on Bay Meadows. I've got like 300 hits here 
on our text line brought to you by <laughs> Lifetime Enclosures. It's unbelievable. And that's my point. People who live here have lived here for a very long period of time. And that's why I'm a little bit disappointed about the streets right now, the trash on the streets. I, I just, I've never seen anything like it. All right, enough of that. I promised you. Let's get to Trent Baalke. Um, I love it. You know, Trent Baalke is not going to go up and talk to us yesterday the way that he did unless he had a sit-down with Shad Khan. And for him to make the comment about cash being more important than cap is exactly what you, as a Jaguar fan, needed to hear. Cash is more important than cap, right? There's ways to maneuver the, the, the cap, and there's ways to extend things into the future. Uh, but you also got to be smart and diligent when you're doing that. So, again, we're going to look at all of our options. We're going to meet as a staff tomorrow, go through what we our wish list is. Then we'll sit down with ownership. We'll sit down with uh, those that uh, work on the cap and contracts. We'll sit down with them, and and we have been. Uh, but we'll have a final, final, final meeting with them to really get the ball rolling for the future. Promising comments. By the way, when you listen to Trent Baalke, doesn't he sound like he's on the cusp of firing you? This is awesome. It was by the very beginning of this game. Was it, was it bachelor party when Tom Hanks is playing tennis with, like, his fiance and, like, the old man's like, you're fat, you're lazy, you're unenthused, you're uh, unapologetic, you're um, impossible to take anywhere, you're a smartass. Trent Baalke. Cash is more important than cap. Right. There's ways to maneuver the, right. the cap and there's ways there to. Trent Bulky, we've all had our opinion. Uh, the guy, the guy passes. You knew he had no pressure. Said that going in. That was obvious with the moves that he made, including peddling James Robinson, including giving up future picks to get Calvin Ridley. He knew he was here regardless of record. And to give him credit, the moves that he has made. They get passing grades. Most of them do get passing grades, including some very late additions. Darius Williams. Now, it took the coaching staff a little bit of time to finally realize to put him outside as opposed to keep McNichol. Uh, I don't think anyone in town, maybe that's when people started throwing out tra- trash when they, when they found out that Arden Key had signed a one-year, $4 million deal. It was like, you know, people just said, that's it. Open your windows. Kids. Get rid of all the trash. Maybe that's where the problems here begin. Because I tell you, I remember that particular show, and there was nothing next to nothing at all. Arden Key ended up becoming a very good contributor to this football team. So Trent Bokey did some really good things. Now you have 12 unrestricted free agents. I have said all along, I wouldn't pay Juwan Taylor what he is going to command, all right? He's in the Drew Rosenhaus stable, which, by the way, you can take what you want from that. Read our, read our colleague's book, uh, Leon Searcy. I read it. I loved it. Drew Rosenhaus screwed him over uh, big time. But, you know, Drew Rosenhaus is one of those guys who's always going to get in the last word. You look at the deal of Jack Conklin that he got recently, and Conklin's 29 as a right tackle. He got $30 million guaranteed $15 million a year. Well, Jawan Taylor's 24. He's going to be 25. So that's four years younger. What's he going to command 
on the open market. I, I get a lot, and I'm looking at a few now. I, I get a lot of this. Hometown discount. Folks, that's not going to happen. Hometown discounts are late in your career when you're trying to win a Super Bowl. Tom Brady gave New England a hometown discount. Now, he was still amongst the highest paid player on his team. He was never one of the top five paid quarterbacks in the NFL. And I love every time I say that, I'm going to get the obligatory text that says, well, his wife made more than he did. It shouldn't matter. Regardless of what it is that you do in your profession, you should be paid what you are worth. And to me, with contract extensions, particularly in the world of sports, there's a fine line. Are you being paid for what you've done or are you going to get paid for what you are going to do? Huge difference. Enormous difference. Think about that. I mean, you talk about a 12-pack argument. Should Juwan Taylor be paid for never missing a start, playing in all 68 games in his career, including the playoffs? Should he be paid for his four years of service? Or should he be paid for what you expect him to do over the next four years? For guys like Trevor Lawrence, when you start talking about $55, $57 million a year, that answer's obvious. He's being paid for what they believe he is going to do. What about the other side of the argument, though? One-year show-me deal for Evan Ingram. Over 70 receptions, almost 800 yards, didn't have many drops, stayed healthy. The two issues that were against him in New York, he proved everyone wrong. Do you pay him three years, $40 million, three years, $37 million? If so, is it based on what you think he's going to give you? The next three years, in my, in, in my, um, my guess is that it's basically a two-year contract where you can get out of it in year three. That's the way Bulky does his contracts. I mean, Jackson can get out of Shaq Griffin after year three. They can get out of Rayshon Jenkins and Roy Robertson-Harris. Uh, excuse me, after year two and not pay in year three. Next year, you can... Talk about the same thing with Christian Kirk and Zay Jones. Going to pay a little. There's going to be some dead money. But you can recoup much more if you elect to go in that particular direction. So those are the conversations. The agent, depending on what you've done, is going to fight for what you have already done. But I think in the case of someone like Jawan Taylor there's going to be a massive fight for what they believe he is going to do. In a case of like Trevor Lawrence in a year, it's a a no-brainer. So to me, that becomes one of the biggest issues that any general manager and frankly anyone in business has to deal with when your employee's contract is up. Uh, It's as simple as that. Trent Baalke yeah, I, I got one here that Trent Bulky doesn't manage the cap well. I, I totally disagree with that. I don't understand how you have that opinion. I mean, no one spent more money than the Jaguars have over the last two years, but they had to. The former regime was so bad, okay, that this football team was literally deep into the mud. I mean, they had won four games in two years. They... 
Look at the draft classes. And even though a local columnist in town came out recently and said that it was actually Dave Caldwell who made the Trevor Lawrence, Travis E.T. I mean, how do you miss on something like that? This is a one-horse damn town. How do you miss on that? How do you honestly not know that it was the combination of Urban Meyer and Trent Bulky that had that? I mean, seriously. How do you miss that? Oh, it's the same guy who also asked Shad Khan what it was like to win his first AFC South Divisional title when, in fact, it was his second. So imagine my embarrassment. That's just par for the course. All right. We got nonstop Jags tonight. And look at this text line, man. It is absolutely burning up. We need to take a quick break for the Philly Godfather because it's the only time I can get them. And we need to check the money before the championship round coming up Sunday in both Philadelphia and Kansas City. We do want to do that. I didn't even ask you, JJ. Are we on YouTube tonight? We are on YouTube, as always. Go to 1010XL's YouTube page. Share us with your friends. Philly Godfather is coming up. John Osher at 7. Nonstop Jaguars after that right here on your home of the Jags. Now, another interview on the Farrah and Farrah phone line. Brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, let's bring in our good friend, the Philly Godfather. He is out on the road, but we are lucky enough to bring him onto the program. Philly Godfather, how are you? Good, man. Can't believe it's championship weekend already. I mean, the Philadelphia fans are going nuts over here. Uh, San Fran's coming to town. we got some great games. Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, a banged-up Patrick Mahomes, but you couldn't ask for anything better at this point in the season. Yeah, and, and, you know, the first thing I think of uh, with Cincinnati is can they get to Patrick Mahomes? Jacksonville, surprisingly enough, could not after the injury. Their statistics went down completely on that side of the ball as far as pressures, and and, and once again, uh, they did not have any sacks in the game. But let's begin with the uh, NFC championship. Uh, Still am absolutely in shock, Philly Godfather, about what we're seeing here with Brock Purdy in San Francisco. The defense is absolutely legit, but I just don't see it with the final pick in this year's draft class. Uh, what do you make of San Francisco going to Philadelphia after the bye? Well, the market opened up. Eagles minus one, one and a half. It shot up to two and a half, minus 15 cents immediately. Total went from 45 to 46 and a half. Uh, when you look at the, at the bet splits, public's all over the Eagles this week, and you can't blame them the way they demolished the Giants team that a lot of the media – a lot of the experts out there thought to stay within that eight-point uh, number last week, and Eagles just rolled all over them. Uh, when you handicap the game, like you said, Brock Purdy, he's looked amazing, but now he's going to have to leave the friendly confound, confines of uh, Levi Stadium, and he's only going on the road this year two times, and he's played two of the worst defenses in football, the uh, Raiders and Seattle, and now he's going up against the team that's number one in opponent yards per play, best sack percentage in the NFL. I mean, there's four different guys on this Eagles team that has uh, that have over 10 sacks, so they spread it around real nicely. Uh, that's why I actually bet uh, a prop bet. I bet Purdy to throw over a half of interception, minus 140. Uh, Eagles defense is tough. San Francisco's defense maybe just as good. Uh, their pass defense a little weaker. Eagles run defense 
maybe the chick in their army. So I'm expecting San Francisco to run the ball. But McCaffrey had some issues as well. Um, so they're going to move the ball on the Eagles. They've had uh, problems this year in the red zone. Uh, San Francisco ranked 20th in the NFL in the red zone scoring. If you look at the three teams that they've played that rank in the top eight in opponent yards per play metric on defense, they scored an average of 14 points. That was uh, Dallas. That was Denver. And uh, I forget the other team. But they've had a problem scoring inside the red zone touchdowns. And they're going to be kicking field goals against the Philadelphia team in Philly. It's going to be tough to beat the Eagles this week. I like the Eagles. I laid one. I took the money line minus 130. I think the Eagles are on the right side. But I did take uh, San Francisco in the teaser. Uh, in the seven-point teaser, I teased it up to plus nine and a half with the Chiefs plus eight. All right, so you think it's a close game. You'll take San Fran plus the seven and a teaser, but you're taking Philly minus one. You're also taking Philly with a money line play. Uh, the first thing you said, you're taking Brock per, uh, Brock Purdy over a half interception? Yeah, over a half interception minus 140. I think he's going to have some problems. You saw when the Cowboys uh, pressured him last week. He, 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 he didn't perform too well. And to be honest, I mean, Dallas was the right side of that game. If Dak doesn't throw a couple interceptions, uh, Pollard doesn't get hurt. The field goal kicker obviously is, is having major problems. You know, it could have been a different outcome. This week they're coming to Philly inside the red zone. Jalen Hurts is a monster. The Eagles' red zone scoring is unbelievable. I mean, Jalen Hurts inside the you know the 10-yard line, he's like Bo Jackson with a rifle. Um. You know, Philly Godfather, it's amazing. Uh, he's played two playoff games. He hasn't thrown a pick. Overall, if you look at his regular season numbers, 16 touchdowns, four interceptions. I, I kind of like your play here. I would think in a third playoff game, he hasn't thrown one yet, that there's probably one coming this weekend for Brock Purdy in Philadelphia. All right, let's get to the late game. That's in Kansas City. Obviously, a rematch with Cincinnati going to Arrowhead. Yeah, surprisingly, Joe Burrow owns Chiefs. I mean, he's, he's won the last three games against him. I think he's the only quarterback in the NFL that's beaten Mahomes three times in a row. He's averaging 327 passing yards per game against the Chiefs. Nine touchdowns, one interception, 121 passer rating. It seems like he gets even better when he plays Kansas City. Line opened up Kansas City uh, minus one and a half. Then it flipped to the Bengals minus two and a half. But as of late, I checked offshore, and the game is back to a pick 'em. And usually, offshore moves before the the, you know, the books in the states do. They're a little sharper than the books in the states. So it's basically a pick 'em right now. Total opened up 49. Originally, it's down to 47. So we, we've seen some under money hit the market. Uh, this is a tough matchup because you really don't know which Mahomes you're going to get, how healthy he is. Uh, you know, it's a tough injury, that high ankle sprain. And if he comes out and he's not 89 percent. You know, Mahomes, they're going to have a tough time beating Joe Burrow. I mean, last week I bet against Joe Burrow because he had a banged-up offensive line, and he he beat me again. He's 27-12 and 12 against the spread the last two years. That's 69%. He just he just finds ways to make it happen. So if you don't have a healthy Mahomes, you're going to have a tough time beating uh, Joe Burrow. Though. And uh, Bengals defense, they seem to cover Kelsey very well. If you look at the you know, last week against the Chiefs, they've kind of contained him. So if you got a banged-up Mahomes, you got a Bengals defense that has been playing lights out. You got Joe Burrow. I mean, if you morph Joe Montana and Tom Brady, you'd end up with Joe Burrow right now. I mean, this kid's just playing lights out. Ah, man, it's tough because Arrowhead Stadium is one of the loudest stadiums, you know, in the league. And if you have some inefficiencies on your offensive line, you can mask them at home. But when you go on the road, it gets even tougher. 
Hmm, I, I kind of, you know, I, I took the Bengals plus one and a half when the number popped. But like I said, I also have some insurance with uh, with the Chiefs at plus eight. Yeah, plus one and a half uh, seems pretty comfortable now when you look at Cincinnati. Uh, Jacksonville first year defensive coordinator Mike Caldwell. They 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 had no answer for Travis Kelsey. They also generated zero pressure on a one legged Patrick Mahomes. That changes here now with Lou. Anarumo, he's considered one of the best defensive coordinators in the league, may get a head coaching job when it's all said and done. Uh, could he be the difference in this one? Absolutely. They're going to be sensitive all day long against Patrick Mahomes. And you got to remember, I mean, if a guy just falls on his leg, he might he might be out of the game. So you got that possibility as well. He, anything can happen when, when someone has a high ankle sprain like that, like Mahomes does. And he might not be able to finish the game. But like I said, Chad Henney, he's not bad either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chad Henney, a 98-yard drive. Just uh, insane. All right, Philly Godfather, give us your uh, your information uh, so our listeners out there can get a hold of you. Yeah, you can find me on Philly Godfather. At, on Twitter, at Philly Godfather. You can stop by the phillygodfather.com for all your sports betting needs. Always a pleasure, sir. We'll talk with you uh, before the Super Bowl. Best of luck with your plays. Good luck, guys. There he goes, Philly Godfather. Joining us right here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. I kind of like both this place. The the um the wild card here is Brock Purdy. I mean, what a story. Uh, how is he doing this as a rookie? It's it's incredible. I mean, obviously he's going to be ranked as the fourth best quarterback. Uh, you can make a case right now. There are I'm not giving up Trevor Lawrence for a lot of guys. I'm giving up Trevor Lawrence for Patrick Mahomes. Am I giving up Trevor Lawrence for Joe Burrow? Hmm. He's a year ahead. Okay. Burrow looks flawless. Uh, Jalen Hurts, I still can't get over his completion percentage. I, I didn't see this in college. It either stopped. He, he's been better than advertised. And then, of course, you have Brock Purdy uh, into – this equation I really like Cincinnati right now I do and they're down three offensive linemen and I'll you know we'll check the injury report I know that uh, Mahomes did work today in Kansas City but if any of those Bengals offensive linemen in fact uh, did give it a go on this Wednesday Uh, the song I was thinking about by the way that defines the Statue of Liberty was the guess who's American Woman yeah. So there you go. All right. Hour number two is coming up. We're going to check in with John Osher. Uh, we're going to get back to you. I have got uh, so many of you who have responded on our text line, which is brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. That is always appreciated. You can get me on Twitter if you would like. That is Baloo, B A L L O U 1010 XL. No. Another interview on the Farrah and Farrah phone line. Brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. 7 o'clock right here in Jacksonville. Time to bring in the senior writer from Jaguars.com, John Osher. Into the night with Rick Bogu. Mr. John, how are you? Heck of a run, Rick. Heck of a run. 
Heck of a run. The run is over, but that's all good because it's now hockey time. Yeah, your Bruins are on fire, right? <laughs> now, did I see that? They're, like, really good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, like, historic. Yeah. 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 And last can night, can they win it, Rick? I mean, is it? A, I, mean, I mean, sometimes regular season historic isn't playoff historic. Can they win it? Much like the game that you and I both cover, it's all about attrition. Yeah, it, it's about staying healthy. They they've lost Jake DeBrus now for the next month, and it's about having hot goaltenders. And yeah. also, like the NFL, I mean, you can look at the Jaguars game four or five scenarios and plays that didn't go their way it's the same thing in the game of hockey and and I think it applies to any championship team you need some luck and you need a few breaks uh, along the way yeah the nice thing about hockey is usually you know know, that best of seven which you can't do in the NFL uh you you know your chances if you're really good uh, of winning are pretty good so yeah uh and that said I, I I'm not sure that uh I'm not sure that best of seven would have been a good idea for the Jags against the Chiefs, but they almost got that one, didn't they? Best of seven. Can you imagine that? Yeah. I mean, there's oh. too many guys beating up. Uh, yeah, you can't do it. No. Nope. Yeah. All right. Um, so let's let's get to what is most important now since it's been four days uh, since the game. Trent Baalke and his conversation with the media yesterday, I, I absolutely loved when he said cash – is more important than cap because I I don't think that all NFL fans understand this. They just assume that owners are ridiculously wealthy and that they have liquid cash and they're willing to spend that. That, That's not always the case. Shad Khan has that money. Shad Khan has never said no when it comes to spending money on his football team. Yeah, and you know Trent said that and he's right and then what he also said is you also have to be smart about it meaning yes you can maneuver the cap within a certain you know uh you know variance if you will but you can't completely go nuts because then you are mortgaging everything in the future and and you do have to give up guys down the road so uh i think they're i, I think they will be able to sign within reason the players that I'd be surprised if Ingram's not here. I'd be surprised if Arden Key's not here. All these guys. The one question, uh, Juwan Taylor, I know they want to keep him. Uh, they would love to keep him and have him anchor that offensive line. Uh, right tackle, does the agent sense that the market's going to get just unbelievable and then get into a bidding war that you can't, you just can't justify? I think that's the question. And then the question I have, Rick, that I don't really know the answer to yet, uh, how aggressive can they want to be in free agency and still keep true to their long-term vision? I think, uh, you know, I keep hearing, hey, throw the bag at this guy, you know, to use the kid's term. Throw the bag here, throw the bag there. I don't know if they can or want to be the headline team in free agency anymore. Yeah, and, you know, there's going to be some money coming off the books. I, I assume, you know, Shaq Griffin and that more than $13 million and and a few others as well. But when you talk about being smart, we could see in mid-March, Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert make more than $50 million a year. And then, of course, Trevor's up in a year. So you, you, you can't put these deals together without considering – 
what next year is going to be like. And I also understand a lot of other contracts could come off in a year, like an Aloacan and uh, a Fado Casa and, and, and other players as well. But that's what you mean when you talk about being smart. Just because you have 220 or $222 million to spend, regardless of what the figure is, doesn't mean you have to use it all. Well, and you know, the idea is to maintain this thing and be good for a long time. And that's what you have to keep an eye on. That's, that's Trent Baalke's job is to, is to see the long term where the fans and the coaches desperately want that short term sometimes. I'm not saying there's going to be conflict there. But there always is philosophically between coach and GM of the coaches always saying, okay, GM, tell me how smart we have to be because I'd love to go spend some stupid money right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's that. And then you have to keep an eye on that quarterback contract. The reality is when you draft a guy number one and when he's as good as Trevor looks like he's going to be, there does come a point where his otherworldliness, which is what you think Trevor's going to wind up, has to be able to cover up for one, two, three contracts that you just can't go spend wild. So uh, that's how you have to structure it. That's why you draft him number one, because the good news with that is if they're that good, which I think Trevor's going to be, it gives you the promise of as long as he's healthy, if you're smart around him and draft well around him, then you're contending every year. So you sort of take the good with the bad. John Osher, our guest, senior writer, Jaguars.com. Read everything from John and his staff. Again, go to Jaguars.com. He does join Rick Ballou here every single Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. I got a few texts in here, one telling me, or actually a couple telling me, that Trent Bulky doesn't manage the salary cap well, and I, I totally disagree with that. Uh, yeah. I, I think a lot of listeners get caught up in the years and money where they don't look at the guaranteed money and they don't look at, I mean, for the most part, every contract that that Trent Polky has put together since he's been here, there's a real opportunity to get out in year three. Yeah, and I think they say that. I assume they say that because now Trent comes out and trying to be a little transparent, say, hey, we're up against the cap now. They say, well, how could they be up against the cap and not be better defensively? And, you know, I think you have to look at the long-term reality of this thing. Two years ago, they were the worst team in football, and last year they were the worst team in football uh, because they had not drafted and developed. So in order to get where they were this year, you had to be more active in free agency than any GM wants to be. Any GM, including Trent, would say, we don't want to be spending the way the Jaguars did the last two offseasons. But they had to get back up to a level where they could compete, right, Rick? I mean, mm-hmm. you didn't want to be – you could not have gotten here where they were this year just by drafting and developing in the two years that Trent was the GM. You just couldn't. So you had to overspend on – I mean, they overspent on a lot of these guys. They overspent on every free agent they've gotten in the last two years because you have to overspend to do that. Um, so as good as these guys were – you are tighter against the cap than you'd be ideally if you were drafting and developing. But how is Trent supposed to do that in two years? No. And, it, and I'm not a bulky apologist. I'm not, ta- I'm not saying people who criticized him were wrong. I'm not, you know, all that. But the reality of building a team is, you know, I would say that he did the, maybe the best job I've ever covered of signing free agents who all contributed. I mean, has there been a guy maybe outside Shaq, frankly? in the last two years that is here for the quote long term who wasn't key this year. 
Nobody does that, Rick. No, he hit. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, listen, last year was a struggle, I think, for the three defensive guys, but but certainly the second half of this year, Robertson Harris played well. Rayshon Jenkins had a career year, so yeah. I, I am in agreement uh, with you. And I, and I think guys now, I mean, they probably wanted to come here the last couple of years because they were making a lot of money and there was no state tax. Now you get the feeling they want to come here because this is going to be a winning team and they want to play for Doug Peterson. Yeah, and, you know, I always caution. I mean, uh, there there were questions in the locker room on Monday, asking guys about, "Hey, we uh, will these guys take less? Will these guys take less?" That's great to say on January, whatever that was. When it comes time to really start signing, uh, you know, this is the guy's life. If, if they're offered more somewhere for financial security, uh, you know, I can't tell them to take less. You know what I mean? So. Uh, in real life, that doesn't always happen. But I, I do think what you will see is the Jaguars not have to outbid people anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're even against the Falcons, for example, or that's a bad example, no state tax. But if, if you're even against the San Francisco 49ers, where you're paying 13% state tax, I think you got a chance at winning now, Rick, with, <laughs> with an even contract <laughs> because the, of the things you're saying. You're in the sunshine. Yep. I think the, you can level the playing field with that, and I absolutely think it's leveled, and maybe you can win a little bit in unusual circumstances on what you're talking about. Man, I, I, that would be something to see a, you know these guys get paid. What do they get? Is it every week or every other week in the NFL now? I know they changed it. Uh, last I know it's every week. Maybe it's every other week. I, but it, it's regularly, and yeah, the, it, it, it'd be interesting to see their fight against ours, wouldn't it? Oh, my goodness, to see the tax. <laughs> yeah, well, to see the taxes, though, that get taken out, uh, particularly yeah. in the uh, state of California. All right, as, as we wrap things up, I mean, where this organization is now, Trevor Lawrence doesn't turn 24 until October. Um, this team has to do everything they can to protect their franchise quarterback. Unfortunately, we only saw Walker Little play one series at right tackle because Cam went down. He went to the left side. So the Juwan Taylor scenario is going to be the biggest one that this organization is going to have to make. If if they can't play with Drew Rosenhaus here and he wants Jack Conklin or higher money for a player who's four years younger than Conklin and Jacksonville says we can't afford it, then again, you go into camp wondering, is Walker Little, who's passed as a left tackle, Going in as a right tackle, still the great unknown. Yeah, it would be. I think you have to trust. The, in that scenario, I think you have to trust that it is. And then you also probably have to try to draft um, somewhere in the first in the first few rounds. I don't know about one. I, I haven't thought it through. But you have to get a guy that you believe can be a swing. Um, because I think we saw this year. I think that's why Juwan's so important. I've just come to believe more and more the longer I'm around the league. I think you need seven and not five offensive linemen uh, because injuries are a reality. You can't draft and sign your team for, you know, August 15th. I think you have to draft it and sign it for December 15th. And I don't think they're in the playoffs if they didn't have seven. If Shatley and uh, Walker Little weren't good, do you think they're in this? Yeah, there's no way. So that's where I think you have to – I think that's why Juwan Taylor is so important, and he was fantastic this year. Yeah. And I think they believe that 
he's year four, Jawan Taylor, and not year two and three. So, you know, there's been such a talk last off season, Rick, remember, about drafting and developing your own. Uh, if they if they can get Jawan Taylor done, you make an argument that he's the best draft and develop your own guy they've had in how long? I mean, I, with apologies to Cam, you know, I think Jawan Taylor would be a mega signing, mega re-signing. Then you'd have signed two offensive linemen, draft and develop your own. You're on the path to what they want to be if they get him done. I, I just think they're going to try really hard to do it. Yeah, and you were right about Cam. I wouldn't have re-signed Cam, and obviously they, they felt differently, and they went ahead and paid him. All right, as I let you go, and I, I, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot only because Trent Bulky's not afraid to make some moves. Last year at this time, I never would have seen Miles Jack getting moved. I, I just – I didn't see it. Is there a guy right now that you can think of on this roster who could be a surprise trade? Yeah, you know, I think it's less likely because you don't have new coaching staff coming in. If you follow me, you know, I I didn't get a big sense that there was a bunch of things they didn't like about what they saw, and you know, so I think Miles was more that. Hey, we're coming in new. Uh, here's something we we don't love, and we can replace it. You know meaning production with a Luicon. You know, I think I think people would look back and say that was probably a good a good trade off. Um I don't know that I see it. I I haven't thought it through. Um you know, but I don't think there's a shocker on the horizon. But if if there was a, uh then I wouldn't think it was a shocker. Yeah. <laughs> you follow me. So mm-hmm. uh give me some time on that. I may have a better answer in a couple of weeks. I don't sense that now only because it's not a regime change situation. Yeah. Gotcha. Good answer. John, always a lot of fun. Thank you, man. Rick, we'll talk to you next week, buddy. There he goes. John Osher, senior writer, jaguars.com. Let you get all of that uh, information and hard work that uh, John and his staff puts together daily. I, can you think of a guy off the top of your head? that? Cause, and John makes a good point. It was a new staff. Hopefully this staff – I mean, Chris Jackson is in – Texas now, you know, Jim Bob Cooter is interviewing down the road in Tampa Bay. By the way, Keenan McCardell is interviewing there as well. Keenan did interview for the offense coordinator position in New England, but that went to Bill O'Brien. Is there a guy right now you could think of that he would move? I don't I don't know what any of these assistants even do. So I, I don't know. Like the, a quarterback coach, a wide receiver. A I'm talking about a player like a Miles Jack from a year ago. Oh. Can you think of a player that would be a surprise trade? Um, trade, I don't know. What about cut? Um, what's the deal with um, Fatakasi? Yeah, it's too expensive this Is year. He? Yeah. Absolutely. Let me see. I got 2024 pulled up. Let me get this here. 2023, big Folo. Yeah, he's got a dead cap figure of fifteen million one hundred sixty-six thousand. That's we'll pre-June first. Let me look at post-June first. That is reduced to eleven million eight hundred thirty-three thousand dollars. That that's too much money. And no one's going to trade. For no, 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 either. no, no, no. And the Jaguars this year have more than thirty million dollars in dead cap money. Right now on the books for this year, they've only got just over a million, a million four. You got eight hundred grand for LaVisca Chenault. I'm telling you, man, the guy's a Debo Samuel. Let's find a way to get him the ball. Jay Tufele, which in my opinion was one of the few mistakes that Trent Bulky made. Tufele will be doing his best to try to clog the middle against Pacheco and company in Kansas City this Sunday night. And then Gregory Jr. 
$130,000. So that's it right now. Somebody on the text line said it would be spicy and surprising. Josh Allen. Well, it would free up a lot of money. And you wouldn't have to bring him back. You wouldn't have to sign him to a big deal if you trade him. Jacksonville doesn't have a second-round pick. It was part of the Calvin Ridley deal. Would you move Josh Allen for a player and a second-round pick? You're or not just gonna, a second-round pick. You're not going to get a first-round pick for Josh Allen. I, no. I just don't think that you are. His production, he's too spotty. But you know what? That is that's that would a be good a name. Shock. That would be a surprise on the level of uh, uh, last year. See, I think, I think they're going to try to re-sign these guys. I, if if you threw ten grand down for each guy, I would tell you they're re-signing Juwan Taylor. They will re-sign Josh Allen. Uh, I believe Allen before Taylor. Yeah, just because they have Walker Little. Well, they picked up the fifth year option, as we know, on ta- on uh, on Allen. So he's going to make just over ten million dollars this year. But again, that's playing with the salary cap. Do you give him a four-year extension, give him a huge signing bonus, and then basically be able to make this year non-existent as far as paying out a salary, therefore you could turn around and sign uh, Juwan Taylor. Now, I have 41 under contract. That will become 42 let me see. They do not have Ridley on here, and they can't because he, he's not allowed to apply for reinstatement until February 15th. And then again, all of these contracts and everything has to be set into place a month later when the regular season you know, clock begins, which is on March 15th. All right, when we return, let's stay with this. More on the Jaguars. Uh, yeah, give me a surprise guy. I mean, Jacksonville now, a little bit of luxury here where you you can move a guy, you can acquire some capital, and, you know, the Gardner Minshew trade we saw coming. Um, I don't think anyone's going to argue with that. I, I did not see the James Robinson move coming. I did not see the Miles Jack trade coming. Uh, if you go back and you look at the history of Trent Baalke, in San Francisco, as well as here, this is a man who loves to trade. And guys always get antsy around the draft, especially if they really believe that they can acquire a pick or move up. I mean, he moved up last year for Devin Lloyd. Remember that move? So th- that, is, um, that is part of it. And, and, and right now, with what is going on, I, I think if Balky speaks, Sean Khan's going to listen. You don't trade Josh Allen without sitting down with your owner. Okay, that I mean, I guess you could move James Robinson for a sixth-round pick. But then again, if we were doing last year's show, and, and right now I was saying to you after a 3-14 and 14 season, give me the top five Jaguars, you probably would have had Miles Jack and James Robinson on that list. If not, they were certainly in the top six or seven. And one was moved in the offseason, the other just 
flat out moved. I don't think Balky has to get permission to trade Josh Allen. You don't think so? No way. You think he can make that move? Sean Khan doesn't even know who Josh Allen is. Are you serious? When he lets Balky be the football guy, he lets Balky be the football guy. I bet there's probably like three players on the team that he knows. The incomparable J.J. LaSalva. Send comments his way. It's on the text line 641-1010. Brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. The night with Rick Balloon on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, Mr. Chubby's tomorrow, Ponte Vedra Beach, 6 to 8. Dave Campo at 625. Complete look at the defense. And with him, it'll be a little bit more, a lot more about the scheme. Let's face it. Frayvon Walker, Devin Lloyd, and Chad Muma, part of the process is those three must dramatically improve in year two. Despite a three-win season in 2021, you knew in the second half of the season that Tyson Campbell could play. His start was awful, and he deserves a tremendous amount of credit. Joe Cullen and that defensive staff deserves a lot of credit for not allowing him to just completely go into a shell. You know, we saw him in camp this year say things such as, you know, Chick-fil-A, uh, which to him meant closed on Sundays. And he never said a word. When I was a sideline reporter in 2021, he never said anything. So you knew that. Do, 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 you, do you know that now about Walker Lloyd and Mooma? I, I, I think Mooma in a year replaces Oloa Khan as the true Mike linebacker. And, you know, I... I've spoken with a lot of people. I'd love to see a 4-3 defense where they put Lloyd somewhere and put Walker somewhere and keep him there. I don't want to see him in coverage anymore, at least Walker or Allen, for that matter, in coverage. We'll do that with Dave Campbell tomorrow night. It's our last show out at Mr. Chubby's Wings for a little while. We'll be back out there in the month of March uh, for the players as well as March Madness. Um, I cannot believe it's been five years since my good buddy, Fat Pat from Cleveland, died. Just uh, – just awful. Patrick Davies, I know a lot of listeners, very familiar with him. And it's just amazing, man. Five years, I, I, I just have a tough time swallowing that. Man, he's been gone for that long. Uh, but we miss him. Looking down at us from above, uh, pray for us, man. There's a lot of crap going on down here. There really is. There's a lot of nastiness going on here. Speaking of which, I'm team Patty Reed. Put me I'm team Patty Reed. Rory McIlroy is such a little whiner. He really is, man. He's the classic from the Silver Spoon. I don't care if he's worked on his biceps as of late. Give me Pat Reed and give me him throwing the tee at Rory any day of the week. The Did he throw it at him? Yes. I'm watching the video. He so, so Rory, he walks up to Rory on the green or on the uh, uh, what do you call it when they're hitting before the range, the range, and I guess Rory's caddy is in between them, and Rory's caddy gives him a handshake, but Rory stays on the ground, doesn't pay attention to him, whatever, and then Patrick Reed turns around and like tosses a a tee tee. I, I wouldn't say he's throwing it at him. Well, that's – hey, listen. 
that's the media. Look how the media does things. Look at last week when Trevor Lawrence said this is probably the most difficult place to play in the NFL going in the Arrowhead, but I don't know if after saying they can it, be as loud as they are here in Duval. Look how that story After evolved. saying it's the loudest place right. in the NFL. Oh, the media is going to take a line and, and just completely run with it. Let but, me tell you the funniest part about this Rory stuff. Rory is you know, anti-live, and he'll tell you that it's a moral thing, and I can't believe you're taking money from the Saudis. The dude's in Dubai right now at some, you know, DP World Tour tournament uh-huh. getting oil money. Oh, He's yeah. the biggest hypocrite in golf. This guy's main sponsor for, like, the first 15 years of his career was some Middle Eastern company. Like, he's so full of it. I cannot stand Rory McIlroy. And I really can't stand all these, you know, American PGA puppets who are like, oh my God, Rory, how brave of you. Patrick Just Reed up for what's right. Patrick Reed is one of us. He's gonna cheat a little bit on the course. <laughs> He's gonna put down his marker. He's kind of fat. He's gonna put down his marker and get like a thumbnail advancement to the hole out of it. <laughs> then he's gonna watch someone else putt. Then he's gonna go back to pick up his marker and place down his ball and move it up another thumbnail or so. Um, he's chubby like a lot of us. He's unlikable. Uh, unlikable <laughs> like a lot of us. Yeah, I'm not a Patrick Reed fan, but I hate Rory. I'm a huge Patty Reed fan. <laughs> I mean, look at his resume. Guy got thrown out of Georgia for allegedly yeah. stealing. He's cheated on the course. His wife is like the PGA or now the Live Tours uh, Brittany Mahomes. She's like in that same category where she's just incredibly annoying, overly vocal. Always in front of the camera. Yeah, she's like had like Patrick Reed's parents like thrown out of an event and stuff like that. So you add all that up and I, 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 I become a fan. Uh, of Pat Reed, who I guess will not be here at the players, right? They, no. They've been allowed to go to the Masters. Players is like 45 days away. It's close. It's like right around the corner. So who knows what uh, they are going to end up doing. Hey, um, I want to get to these, these uh, texts that have rolled in. Something that is very important, and... You know, reading between the lines, Doug Peterson made this analogy a couple of times this year early during the season. Doug Peterson has a reputation as being loyal to his coaches. It's on Doug Peterson to hire the right coaches. There's been some questions this year. Is Mike Caldwell the right man for the job? Okay. I thought it was a learning year for Mike Caldwell. I give him credit. They tried some things later in the year. And they worked. The Dewan Smoot injury affected that a little bit as far as the rotation on the defensive line, particularly when it came to moving Trayvon Walker inside. Uh, my guess is that he's not going anywhere, okay? I mean, you had nine takeaways a year ago. You had 27 this year. That's top four in the NFL. Unfortunately, Jacksonville turned the ball over seven times in the playoffs and did not get one takeaway. The defense improved uh, by s- over six points, 6.3 points a game. They allowed 26-9 a year ago. They dropped that down to 20.6. 
this year. I, I, I'm sure the thinking going in is, can you get that number under 20? Can you drop it a point? Maybe a point and a half next year. Are you kidding me? If you're telling me your defense has given up 17 and a half, 18 points a game, you, you don't like Jacksonville on Sundays uh, as far as being able to score 20 points or more? Of course you do. Chris Jackson left. That was reported a couple of weeks ago. Man, I'm really surprised he lied. What's the reason for that? I mean, you're a wide receivers coach. Just tell your players you're not going anywhere. You don't have to go after the report on Twitter and and take us down a long road where you don't live in the world of rumors, and then 48 hours after the game, you go take that job. If you know you're going to take that job, just keep your mouth shut. I didn't know he said anything online. Oh, my God. <laughs> it, it's like. So what? Someone reported that he was leaving and he was like, that's not true? Absolutely. Let me oh, find it. it. It just, it makes no sense. Here, <laughs> here's Chris Jackson's tweet on January 16th. FYI. I deal in reality and not rumors. I am the wide receiver coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars where I am under contract and absolutely love it. My main focus is doing my job to the best of my ability and preparing for a huge playoff game this weekend against the Chiefs. He goes on to say, I have not had any conversation with anyone outside of this organization regarding coaching. I am a Jacksonville Jaguar. You forgot the funniest part. What's that? Lock it in. <laughs> oh, where do you say lock it in? Well, oh, at the end of the first tweet. W- with, with the hashtag. The key, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. <laughs> I mean, this would be a non-story if he just left. Yeah, that's weird. But who's he trying to make a point to? The fans here in Du. The, the fans here in Duval are, are okay with Chris Jackson leaving. Chris Jackson, by the way, I think is a good coach. Uh, you witnessed last year one of the worst position coaches in the history of the NFL with Sanjay Lau here. He was he was terrible, okay? Chris Jackson did a nice job. Unfortunately, on Chris Jackson's watch, his wide receiver core had the most drops in the NFL. Unfortunately, on Chris Jackson's watch, two of those drops affected the outcome of the game on Saturday night. 30-19 from the 39 Jermichael Hasty drops the ball he can't drop. 55-yard perfect pass by Trevor Lawrence, Christian Kirk, you cannot drop. Am I, is that 100% on Chris Jackson's fault? No. But why lie like that? I, I don't get it. Uh, the flip side is Jim Bob Cooter. Jim Bob Cooter's been an offensive coordinator before. All year I've been saying how important it is to keep him, McCoy, Press Taylor, Doug Peterson together as an offensive staff. It's working well with C.J. Beathard and Trevor Lawrence. Well, things happen. C.J. Beathard's a free agent. You're not going to overpay to keep him there, right? Jim Bob Cooter wants to advance his career again. I'm sure he believes he should be an offensive coordinator, hopefully someday become a head coach. So you're going to lose him. And, and if those are the two you lose, it's salvageable. You'll be all right. Do you remember in the years, you weren't here yet, but in the years that Jacksonville was really relevant in the mid to late 90s, Tom Coughlin lost his coordinators. Kevin Gilbride and Chris Palmer, all right, and Dick Geron and uh, who else am I? Uh, Dick Geron and uh, there's others. I I can't think of them all uh, right now, unfortunately. 
but he he lost coordinators. They went on and they took you know head coaching jobs uh, elsewhere. That that is what is going to happen. So, well, the good thing is you know Doug's the play caller. Tom Capers is another. Go ahead. So with Doug being the play caller, and I'm assuming he'll probably keep that for the rest of his career as a head coach, you know, you could lose offensive coordinators here and there. It's not that huge of a deal as long as Doug stays. Not um, not overly surprised it didn't happen this year for Press Taylor because he's young and because he's not calling plays. But I, I, I believe that that movement – is going to take place. Oh yeah, in, Trevor in a throws of years. like a million touchdowns next year. They're putting up like twenty-eight points a game. He's as good as gone. Um, you know, I'd love to see come here. Is Frank Reich? Oh, I. But I think Frank Reich is going to get an offensive coordinator job somewhere. I'm just speaking out loud here. What about Cliff Kingsbury? Would you take him as an OC? Yeah. But I don't I, see him doing that. No, neither do I. Cliff, Cliff wants to call plays. Absolutely. And, and, and plus, Press Taylor is the – you know, I have to look up what Jim Bob Cooter is. He, he may be, by definition, passing game coordinator. I want to say it's Mike McCoy. Maybe one of you guys can look that up for me, please. Uh, I think Mike McCoy is the quarterback's coach. Press Taylor is the offensive coordinator who does not call plays. Yeah, James Robert Cooter of mm-hmm. Jim Bob is the passing game yeah. coordinator. there you go. You know, you could maybe get as the passing game coordinator – Slash wide receiver coach, Keenan McCardell. I heard. I heard. Uh, I saw some rumors. He would like to come home, but he doesn't want to take a job that's, what do you call it, the same job. He, he needs a promotion to come down. Well, you give him one with that yeah. because you, you don't typically move. Even Chris Jackson, I believe, got the title of passing game coordinator. At Texas, correct. Under Steve Sarkeesian. So Keenan McCardell is not going to go from there to here as the wide receiver coach, but if you make him the passing game coordinator, that might be enough uh, for him uh, to make that move. And, and my guess is Doug Peterson is all over this right now. He's not waiting. He's, he's going to find uh, the next coach, a wide receiver, and if he does lose uh, Jim Bob Cooter, then there you have it. All right, let's take a break. Uh, 78-37 brings up a right point. Okay, uh, Rory was subpoenaed on Christmas Eve. Yeah, yes. I did read that story. That's ultimate petty. You know, the lawyers involved, or whoever handles that. What are they called? Handlers? Yes. Yeah, so I know I what light breakers a- are, but what do you call when you deliver subpoenas on Christmas Eve? What's the name for those people? Uh, yeah, I would. I guess it's a lawyer. Um, I guess there's no this way is the a- lawyer himself does that. He's got a. He's got a someone that's out there doing a Silvio? that for him. Christmas a Silvio Eve. type character. Um, Rory's yeah. deep into the eggnog. All of a sudden, you, yeah, want to see you in court. Yeah, there's a defamation lawsuit against you, sir. To me, that makes the Patrick Reed story even more, <laughs> um, you, you know, adorable. <laughs> <laughs> who sends a, who sends a subpoena on Christmas on Christmas Eve? Patty Reed does. Into the Night with Rick Balloon on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Tomorrow night, Mr. Chubby's Wings, Ponte Vedra Beach, out there 6 to 8. Friday, right back here, 6 to 8. Let's check you now on the text line, 641-1010, brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Getting a ton in here, plus many on process 
server. 3804 says it's against the Florida Rules of Civil Procedure for a lawyer to serve the subpoena. It's a process server. So there you go. Which, if you've seen Pineapple Express... I haven't. Am I missing out? Yeah. It's like a kid weed-smoking movie. Probably not for you. <laughs> um, but... Now, why would you say that? <laughs> it's for you. Where do you think I go uh, every break? I, I, do you think I go to the restroom well, every I, break? Listen, where, where do you think I, I am? I, I am a, uh, you know, I enjoy myself some of that as well. But I watched it recently as a 30-plus-year-old, and it's not the same. It's not as nearly as funny as I thought it was when I was 16. But his character is a guy who serves everybody papers, and he always has to, like, dress up in certain outfits to fool people into answering their door or whatever, or coming to their office, and he's like a, a fake cop one day or a delivery man, and he's like, oh, here's your papers. It seems like the worst job on earth. Like, and mm. I can definitely see somebody beating you up. I, um, I think my ex-wife got into that for a little bit as a side business, honestly, when she was a nurse, but I think I remember her telling me something about that, but I wasn't really paying attention or, or listening, which probably was a big part of the problem. I was about to say, maybe that's what led to everything. Uh, to begin with, 9069, Baloo assuming will trade Bethard, Hasty, and Corey Peters. <laughs> For what? Are any of them marketable? Corey Peters, I think, is going to retire. He is a free agent. Bethard is a free agent. Hasty is a restricted free agent, which allows you the ability to match. I'm kind of up and down on Hasty. I mean, he had more snaps than ETN on Saturday night because he's good at pass pro. But he dropped so many balls. Sure did. I thought James Robinson was a better option than Hasty. And, you know, all of a sudden, it's, it's part of this. You drafted Snoop Connor in the fifth round. You gave up James Robinson hoping it would be a fifth rounder. It's now a sixth rounder. So there's a little bit of culpability there, in my opinion. Yeah, I keep hearing Jags have to get a another running back. I'm like, man, you could find these running backs. Look at Pacheco. Seventh round. Look at these seventh rounders. Pacheco and, and Brock Purdy. Did we give up on Snoop? Uh hell no. Uh, 33-26 says, Baloo didn't say Cream is in his top three-person bands. When did I ever talk about that tonight? That was months ago. <laughs> I do remember that conversation, but that might that might have been before football season. Is that what happens when you smoke a lot of cannabis? <laughs> you, you dig up things that I did say months you're ago? You're on the text line, you're just like, I can't believe the disrespect. Listen, I love right Cream. Now. They just didn't, they didn't do it for a long enough period of time. That's... That's the reason why. I mean, no one can get along with Ginger Baker. Even though what? Clapton and Ginger Baker went and made that super group, Blind Faith with Stevie Winwood. It wasn't enough. Jack Bruce hated him. To me, it's, it's, it's Rush. It's the Canadian band. That's the greatest three-man band of all time. I'd like to put Hendrix in there, but it was basically all Jimmy. And, uh, you know, the police. Great. Uh, ZZ Top, you know, kind of a beer drinking, don't look at me wrong, and a punch you in the chops type of band. I mean, that's a fun three-man band, but that that's it for and I don't know What about how. Nirvana? They're a three-man band, yeah, right? Yep, absolutely. Uh, Baloo, Hopkins or Allen? 
Hopkins for Allen. Hmm. Man, I, nah. Nah. Too many divas. I mean, to me, Kirk, Kirk showed some divaness this week. You're going out and bringing in Ridley, and now you want Hopkins? Woo! I mean, that's star power. But I would love to see him for a year, though, with Trevor. I mean, he is 30, and, and he looks way slowed down uh, than just a couple years ago. But I, I just would love to see him. Uh, here's another one. Trey Allen for a second-round pick, 1675. Said, obviously, it's way too early to figure out what Devin Lloyd may end up looking like in the league. But with Jacksonville, even think about considering throwing his name out as trade bait. Asking for a second-round pick, maybe a later-round pick. Yeah, yeah. Here's the, re- the answer to that question is no, and here's why. It's all ego. Trent Bulky traded up in the first round to get this guy. They're going to make it work. And I, I, still, I still don't know, and I don't know if anyone knows, the relationship between Bulky and Peterson when it comes to players and coaching players coaches hiring and firing coaches. I'm under the assumption that Bulky gets all – they're going to tell us it's in conjunction with one another. That's the obvious answer. My guess is that Bulky gets all the players. Peterson handles the coaching staff. This defense – and tomorrow night at 622, all right, Dave Campo. Wow, very specific. Oh, I'm going to hit the post on time. What are the chances of me getting out on the break in time at Mr. Chubby's Wings tomorrow night for, for the Dave Campbell I'll give interview? you 15%. All right, 15% of hitting the post. Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, to me, that's the most fascinating part of this offseason. Jacksonville only takes that next step if these three high defensive draft picks make a significant improvement. Devin Lloyd has got phenomenal ability. He's also a 24-year-old rookie. He's older than Trevor Lawrence. So the learning curve applied this year, but they're going to find a position for him and keep him there. Now, who's going to be the guy who covers the tight end? If this thing runs through Kansas City and Travis Kelsey, or if it runs through Cincinnati, Jacksonville struggled mightily Saturday night against the tight end. They also this year were the worst team in the NFL defensively when it came to covering running backs who caught the ball out of the backfield. You got to improve that. You know they're going to get at least one corner, probably a nickel. All right, probably plays nickel early. I got to believe Trey Herndon's gone. He's an unrestricted free agent. You know, we'll have that show. What is the biggest need on this team? It's one of many questions that will start to throw all you folks out there as, you know, we get closer uh, to both free agency and the NFL draft. It's a great feeling. It is. I mean, there's relevance here. Think of last year at this time. This organization still didn't have a coach coming off a three-win season. Think of all the possibilities now, this year. It's totally different. And it's going to be fun to analyze every move that they make or do not make. I don't check the text line. I didn't get a chance to get to many of you tonight. Frankly, we just got way too many. And I appreciate that. You can get me on Twitter, Baloo1010XL. Thank you to the Philly Godfather, John Osher. JJ's the producer. Hacker Nation's coming up right now. We'll talk with you tomorrow at 6 o'clock live. 
from Mr. Chubby's Wings in Ponte Beach.